Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's ah, bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum. Sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go. Put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and I want you to know before I get going and tell you what's coming today how much you mean to me. I'm sitting here behind the microphone. And Jewish producer Chris and I were discussing critically important things like which toaster oven makes Hot Pockets the best. And then all of a sudden the music comes on. I had lost track of time and I said, oh, wow, I guess we have to do a show. 
So I'm interrupting my critical, critical conversation to talk to you today. We have David Chipman. He's, he's about to be the director of the ATF, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, which is a Friday night. But anyway, it's a radical anti-gun nut job. We played the audio for you yesterday about banning AR-15s. We, we'll go into that more. We have a new national report card on schools in America. This is really not good for the future of America. And we have a major, major contractor out there putting its employees through white male privilege training on my life. I'm not making that up. It's going to be a busy show today on the Jesse Kelly Show. I have so much to talk about. I've done this once or twice before. I might not even have a guest today. I might go full me all day long. Because I'll be frank with you, and I know a lot of you are going to find this... You're going to find this shocking, and I'm not trying to blow you out of your chair on a Thursday, but I love me. What, Chris? I'm a big fan of me. I could be a fan of me. <laughs> All right. Have you ever heard about the time? I don't mean in old times either. Fairly recently, the United States of America, or at least a portion of it, was occupied by a foreign enemy. I'm not talking Revolutionary War either. You realize that happened in the 1900s, right? Let's talk about that today. You see, we're going to do a little World War II story, only not one you've heard of before. And it's shocking you haven't heard of it until I explain today why you haven't heard of it. Did you know the Japanese in World War II took over and occupied islands in Alaska? Two of them. Didn't know that, did you? Well, not many Americans knew it at the time either. Don't feel stupid. Before we get there, let's do a little build-up before we get to this point in 1942 when this happens. World War II set up for you, at least the Pacific portion of World War II set up. Japan, pre-World War II, Flexes its muscle, its newfound muscles, because the country had modernized and looked around and figured out, wow, we got really strong, really fast in our Bushido code that we live by. When we married that to a modern technological military, to a modern economy, when we marry those two things together, this can produce some really great results. But we're stuck on this island called Japan. We have these awesome people, an awesome military, an awesome economy, cool culture. It's getting kind of cramped here on Japan. Need to spread my wings a little bit. Oh, hey, China. Got some nice stuff over there. Would be a shame if somebody helped you manage it. And Japan essentially, and remember, we all think of World War II as having started in what? You either think it's uh, when Hitler invaded Poland or you think it's when Pearl Harbor hit, you know, 1941. 
Japan was in China in the 30s. Japan was in China in the 30s, like the early 30s. Japan had been gobbling up parts of China for a long, long time. A long, long time by the time we get to World War II. Finally, the world had had enough of it. The world decided this has to stop. America in particular stepped in because we had interests in China and we said, hey, Japan, you know all those natural resources we sell you? And we did. We sold Japan. Not all, but I'm just using this for radio purposes. Virtually all of their raw, raw materials, steel and oil and all the things you need to build an economy in a country. We said, hey, uh, get out of China pretty much now or we're not selling you this anymore. Even if it's not right now, I need to know very quickly when will you be out because you need to be out very soon. Japan is now in their defense. I, I'm, this is a defense of them, but you know I have a soft spot on my heart for them. In their defense, what were they supposed to do? They couldn't, they couldn't just get out, right? You're there. You're stuck in China. You, you're, you've occupied it, portions of it militarily, the area of Manchuria. You've occupied it. You're, you're already building up an economy from it. You're doing these things there. You've lost a bunch of lives. They've been fighting with the Chinese there. You can't just pack up your stuff and go back home and say, well, all right, my bad, we left. So you can't stop. You now can't keep going. So what are you supposed to do? Japan did the only thing they could think to do. In hindsight, when you consider what happened to that nation throughout World War II and then after World War II, it was one of, if not the great mistakes of all time. But they thought their only chance was to throw a Hail Mary pass. They did not think Pearl Harbor was going to take down America, despite whatever idiocy they taught you in your government schools. They didn't think they were going to be able to win, you know, achieve ultimate victory over America. They, did, they, weren't, they weren't even that delusional. They were not. They, they were a country of 70 million people. They, just, they, don't have, they don't have the resources, the human resources to pull off combat like that. What they wanted from Pearl Harbor was to hurt us, our Pacific fleet, badly enough that it would give them time to take over all kinds of islands in the Pacific, dig in, fortify them, which they did really, really well, and then America would simply lack the will to fight our way through all those islands and win a war. At some point, America, after trying and losing too many lives, would come to the table and said, hey, Japan, all right, big misunderstanding here. Let's come to a peace agreement and Japan would get to walk away with at least some of the resources they'd taken over. That was the Japanese way of thinking. Obviously, they did not quite get Americans' mentality. You know, and the truth is, had they attacked us at Pearl Harbor after they declared war, you can almost see a way that that would have worked out in the end, possibly, maybe. Because that was the real, that's what angered America so badly. Japan claimed it was a mistake, but nobody really believes that. Japan attacked us before they declared war, the ultimate sucker punch move. Well, now it's on, Jack, and now it's on big time. All right, now that happened, and and then they take over a bunch of islands, and they dig in, 
But up to the point in the war we're going to talk about today, I want you to understand something, and it's important. Japan had not lost to us yet. In fact, Japan, up to the point where our story's going to start, had been kicking the crap out of us. They had better fighter pilots. They had better fighter planes. They had a better navy in the Pacific at this point. Now, all these things are about to come to an end, but they, just, they had superior technology. They, they had a much, much, much more experienced force because they'd been fighting for so long. And they thought to themselves, why don't we expand this circle a little bit? All right, we'll talk about that and white male privilege training. Hang on. Truth. Attitude. Jesse Kelly. Jake's Mint Chew. It is... I was going to say your path to freedom, but that almost sounds too dramatic. But, man, when I finally got done, when I was finally able to break away from dip, it felt like freedom. It did because there was this thing that I always had to have. I always had to have some with me. I had to set aside time out of my day to throw one in. No, I can't. No, I'll be out in a minute. I just I, I want to have a dip for, for 10, 15 minutes. It just, it was part of my life that was holding on to me. And it felt like freedom. Jake's Minshew was tobacco-free and nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And it can help you break free of that. Isn't that awesome? Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That's J-E-S-S-E at checkout. That gets you 20% off. Japan had seen nothing but to set, but success up to this point in the war. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I'll get back to the Japan thing in a second. Let me remind you, I have a couple things. No, I don't have the big announcement yet. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. All right? But I do have a couple things you do need to hear about, and you need to hear about them now. One, tomorrow is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Email me your questions. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I understand we have a bunch of new listeners. We're thrilled about that. Just understand your questions on Friday. You know, Friday we do all your questions. It's a much lighter show because the rest of the week is heavy enough. But on Friday, we do your questions. They do not have to be political questions. They can be. That's totally fine. But whatever you want to talk about, history, food, men, women, whatever, travel, I I don't care, stupid survival scenarios, whatever you want to talk about, that's what we dig into on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. That's one. Two, and this is much more important, and for once I'm actually not kidding, this part actually is important. On Monday. 
Monday is Memorial Day. That is a day on this show, as you know from the past, we do not take off. I understand everybody takes off on that day, and I bless them to it. I feel an obligation to do a show every Memorial Day. Memorial Day shows on the Jesse Kelly show are uncharacteristically heavier. There's not as much fun and laugh. It is a show I wholly dedicate and always will to the men who have given their lives for this country. Now, that's on me. One, I wanted to give you a heads up. That's what's coming. I will not be off Monday. I will be here. It will be a Memorial Day show that is different from our others. Yes, I'll do a history story as well, but it is different from our others. But what I want from you, I should say what you can do if you want. Again, Jesse at Jesse Kelly Show. Jesse at Jesse Kelly Show. Hear me out. I want you to put in the subject line of the email, Memorial Day, and then in the email, if you have somebody who has given their life for this country, a friend or family member, and you want their name read aloud on the air on national radio, I will do it. You email me on Monday and I will read, or you email me, I mean, email today. I don't care. Jewish producer Chris will set the emails aside. Make sure the subject says Memorial Day or we will miss it. We get way too many emails. If you don't put Memorial Day in the subject and it gets missed, that's on you. Follow simple instructions. Put Memorial Day in the subject, and if you have somebody you want honored, you want their name read aloud, we will do it. It is important. We have done it every Memorial Day. We will do it this one, too. So there you go. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Ask Dr. Jesse questions for tomorrow. And a name you want honored or names you want honored on Monday. And you're welcome in the email when you, when you put their names down. You're more than welcome to put what they did or their relation to you or whatnot. And if I have time, if I can squeeze that stuff in, I will, I will read that on the air if I can. I, I'll be at you know, limited time-wise. I got three hours here, but limited time-wise. But I will get to as much of it as I can possibly get to. But no matter what, if you put Memorial Day in that subject line, I will read that name on the air. Now, back to our story. Up to 1942, post-Pearl Harbor. Because remember, Pearl Harbor was December 1941. So that was a big win, and that's the end of 1941. By the time 1942 rolls around, America had been kicked around in the Philippines. We, I mean, it's, there hasn't been a ton of good news right now for America. It was well beyond Pearl Harbor. It, just, it was, okay, are we going to win Imagine asking that question because we have 2020 hindsight, right? The great American victory. We didn't know if we were going to win. And Japan, Japan's looking around by this point in the war and saying to itself, well, this is going pretty well. This is going very well. Why don't we expand a little bit and go after the island that's essentially halfway through Japan, halfway from Japan and Hawaii called Midway. Let's go after the island called Midway. You know the battle. So they send a fleet towards Midway. I'm not going to go into that today. That doesn't matter. But there was another part of it. They thought, well, we have this gigantic action at Midway. We're going to try to expand our circle a little bit. As a distraction from Midway and maybe to gain a foothold in the North Pacific, why don't we take a couple of islands in Alaska? 
There are two islands we're going to talk about today, Atu and Kiska. You know, I don't bore you with details, but you probably should know those names. Atu is A-T-T-U, and the other one's Kiska. Most people don't know about them. Now, here's one thing you need to know. These islands, when I say by Alaska, it gets a little complicated when you look at a globe. The islands I'm discussing are further west than Fiji. They're essentially... If you're looking to go west, they're on the same line as New Zealand. These things are over there. We're talking, they're practically Russia. (laughs) These things are way, way out there. To say they are remote would be putting it mildly. Remote and an absolute hellscape of an environment, both of them are. One, there are no trees, and I mean zero trees. In order to build wooden structures, the, uh, the Eskimo people, Inuit people, the native peoples who occupy this place, and that's mainly who's there, they wait for driftwood to come onto the shore. At this point, and we're talking 1940s here, okay, not 1540, these people still survive by taking ocean kayaks out into the water and harpooning whales. There is no infrastructure. There's no electricity. There's no running water. There's no nothing. The weather is so bad, it's difficult for me to put it into words. There are, on average, on average on these islands, eight days a year of sunshine. Eight. The rest of the time, it is raining, it is dumping snow, or it, or it is foggy, and I mean fog so thick, Americans would complain after the war if they were walking through it, they couldn't see the end of their rifle in front of them through the fog. That kind of thick fog, and that's going to play into our story today. Now, there is a small garrison of troops there, a 10-man garrison of troops, kind of like just like an outpost, but Japan sends 2,500 guys to Atu and Kiska. Let's focus on Atu at the moment. And they take over this island. Now, if you're the United States of America, you've taken it on the chin at Pearl Harbor. You've taken it on the chin in the Philippines. And up to this point, you have exactly zero to brag about to the American people. If you're the U.S. military, if you're the United States president. And remember, because we live in a representative republic where our people are elected, on some level, it's always a popularity contest. You got to be real careful how much bad news you're bringing home. And now, if you're the American president, if you're the American military, you are faced with quite a choice. Do I tell the American people that American soil has just been occupied by a foreign enemy and we're not even in a position to get them off it just yet? No. The answer is no. It's it's, it's a lot of it's it's called the forgotten battle. People don't even know this thing happened. Japan gets there. Japan digs in and gets ready. What happens next? Well, you'll have to wait on that. Hang on. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, 
Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Ask Dr. Jesse, questions are needed for tomorrow. Whoever you want to give a shout-out to for Memorial Day is for Monday. Make sure the subject line says Memorial Day, but I need to put a disclaimer on there before I get back to our story about Japan, before I get to all the news I need to put a disclaimer on there that I didn't do a couple minutes ago when I talked about Memorial Day. As you know, this is not your mommy's show. It's not my job to tell you things that make you feel better. It's your daddy's show. And you also know something else. I'm a big jerk. I'm a jerk. Total sociopath. No, no worry about anyone's feelings at all. So let me level with you here. Do not email me about a veteran or a police officer or something like that. Memorial Day is a day for the fallen, for those who have gone overseas and died on behalf of the United States of America. Yeah, veterans are important. Cops are important. All these. It is not their day. And the American tendency is trying to be nice and do the right thing. But I just want to give a shout out to the fallen uh, and the veterans uh, and and cops too and the firefighters. Oh, and the first responders. Oh, and teachers. Okay. By being Mr. Nice Guy, you just watered down a day and the fallen deserve to not have their day watered down. It is their day. If you write me about somebody who did something else other than die for this country, I'm not reading the name. I'll ball it up and throw it in the trash. It is their day, and they deserve that day. And don't wish me a happy Memorial Day either. Happy, We have Veterans Day for veterans. I know your heart's in the right place, but I don't have a heart, so I don't have to worry about such things. People who died for this country deserve to have their day and have it not watered down at all. Back to our story. Japan storms into the islands of Atu and Kiska up in Alaska. I told you they're terrible. The islands are mostly undefended. I do say mostly. There was a garrison of like 10 guys up there. I couldn't ever find out their fate. I mean, I'm sure it was probably terrible. Japan took over when Japan occupied a place that generally wasn't good, but 
all you can read when you read about these things is mostly undefended. Well, okay. What about the poor saps who were there? (laughs) All right, anyway. Japan gets there and proceeds to dig in and fortify the place in the mountains for a year. This is horribly embarrassing for America. And not only is it embarrassing, this place is so out of the way and so relatively unimportant to the overall war effort, America couldn't even mobilize and get some people up there in a couple weeks and get them out. We have Germany to fight. We have Japan to fight in the Pacific. We're losing. The, The war's losing. You see what I mean? It was a problem. It took a year for America to respond, responded with about 100,000 troops. And finally, they launched what was called Operation Land Grab. It, they were going after Atu first. Now, I should note this, por- this important point. Even wealthy, powerful nations like ours, when war hits and a massive war like this hits, Armies don't always have all the things they need and all the things they should have. It's just logistically very hard to get everyone the things they need. You know who they sent up to these frozen hellscape islands? Troops that had been training in the Mojave Desert because they thought they were going to Africa to fight Rommel. I'm not making that up. And not only did they send them up to the islands, they didn't have cold weather gear. These guys get to these frozen, horrific places, and they're just dumbfounded. Frostbite starts wiping our guys out. Trenchfoot starts wiping our guys out. They do land on the islands relatively unscathed. The Japanese did not stop them from landing. We're talking about 11,000 Americans landed, Atu. The Japanese didn't stop them from landing. But our ships are having a horrible time getting around the reefs. The second wave actually landed before the first wave because ships are getting stuck. It's a disorganized disaster. But we do land, and then we start moving in. But the Japanese are dug in. And as you know from other Pacific islands and horrible jungle, jungle places, the Japanese know how to dig in and fight. The Japanese are way outmanned. Remember, we got about 2,000 Japanese by this point on Atu. They are way outmanned, outgunned. They don't have the heavy artillery. And the Americans just start coming at them. And there is horrible, horrible, confusing fighting that takes place in the freezing cold and the snow and the fog and the confusion is terrible. And the Japanese are fighting to the last man, which we're still being introduced to at this point in time, having to blow them out of trenches and bunkers, and they're killing themselves. And it's just an absolutely terrible, I mean, terror war is the best way to describe it. Finally, after we've taken about 3,000 casualties by the time this thing's done, Japan has run out of food Japan has run out of ammunition, but the Japanese commander on the island has a plan. You see, his plan is this. Here's what we're going to do. We're out of food. We're out of ammo. We're going to use the fog. We're going to do a massive 2,000-man bonsai charge and charge at the Americans with fixed bayonets through the fog. 
We will kill so many of them, we'll end up stealing enough ammo and food and artillery that we can pull it back to our lines and then survive until help gets here because surely help is on the way. But you see, things had changed. The American Navy was already building itself up and the Japanese military they had already decided that they had much bigger fish to fry and that these Alaskan armies weren't worth the trouble. So they weren't even trying to get through to resupply their men. They had just left them there. And America, the American Navy had blockaded the port. There was no help coming. The Japanese do launch this gigantic bonsai charge in the fog. It turns out to be a horrible, horrible, bloody affair. It shocks the Americans who don't see it coming. It gets through the front lines and gets clear back to you know the medical tents, the headquarters. You have, you have cooks with rifles in their hands fighting off a Japanese bayonet charge in the fog. I mean, you want to talk about horrible, horrible. But finally, America is able to regroup. We simply have the numbers And the Japanese die almost to the last man. I think there were something like 40 who made it off. And you have to understand this about the Japanese prisoners. As you know, the Japanese never surrendered in mass. Any prisoners we took, usually they weren't guys who surrendered. They were guys who were wounded so badly they couldn't manage to kill themselves before we captured them. And the Japanese troops were so scared of one thing, and it shocked America at first, If they were ever captured like this, you know, oh, no, both my arms are blown off. I can't kill myself. And you're stuck in that situation. The Japanese soldiers, two things. I actually thought it was pretty stinking funny. One, they would just vomit up all the information about their unit and what they were doing. Why? They had never been trained what to do if they were captured because they weren't allowed to be captured. So they didn't know what to do. Oh, yeah, actually, we're right up here. We got 20 guys here and 40 guys over there. And the plan, we're going to wait till midnight on Thursday. And then they had one other request. You know what that request was? I'll tell you in a second. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. What if Northwest Retention Systems is just better than your holster company? And look, I don't have to ask the question. I know they are. Why? It's because it's custom made. It's custom made. You, you take care of your weapon, right? You train with it, carry it around, you keep it clean, you use it safely, good for you. But you have a holster you bought from some big box hunting store? You understand what that, what the equivalent of that is, right? That's like going out and buying a $200,000 luxury car and then going right down to the tire shop and putting the cheapest tires on it you can find. You take the time with your weapon. At least take the time and get a holster for it, a good one. Go to nwretention.com. That's nwretention.com. Use the code JESSE at checkout. 
That gets you 10% off. the jesse kelly show it's been already a lively one and tomorrow's gonna be such a good ass dr jesse friday get your questions in jesse at jessekellyshow.com i'll wrap up my story of this alaskan island invasion of japan in a second we'll talk about our national schools oh yikes these are some numbers that are not good but first i do want to address something chris and i were talking during the break about why I'm so punctual. I, I'm obsessed with being punctual. Absolutely obsessed with it. I, I have that guy that shows up 15 minutes early. I show up early to everything. Why? Not because I want to be there early. I, I want to make sure. What if I get a flat tire? What if I, what if I do this? But the reason I'm punctual is actually not the Marines. Chris thought it would have been the Marines. I was punctual way before that. I consider it because there are some people who are just late to everything. And now I, I'm a jerk, so I'm just going to say this. I consider that to be horribly selfish and rude. When you're late to something, and I've known people like this, and it's almost always the, the oh, gosh, I just forgot to set an alarm. I, oh, it's always something. It's always that guy. No, 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 no. no. That's not what it is. It's not that you forgot to set an alarm. It's not that the, what it is really is. You value your time more than you value my time. It's that simple. You think your time's more important than my time. And I consider that to be extremely rude. So that's why I'm punctual, which it's funny because nobody else in this business is. (laughs) And I'm just obsessed with showing up on time. Anyway, that was a little side note. Back to our story. We end up taking the island of Atu. But we still have this island of Kiska. Remember, they had taken two islands, Atu and Kiska. Now, America, we'd just been bloodied pretty good at Atu. We were shown, once again, the Japanese were not going to go down easily. It's a problem, right? It's a problem. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention the other thing that the POWs wanted, the Japanese POWs wanted. Remember, one thing was they would tell everybody everything. They'd never been trained on how to be captured. The second thing, don't send me home. They didn't want to go back to Japan. And it wasn't because they didn't love Japan. They loved Japan. They didn't want to go back home. Because the shame of having survived combat and been captured by the enemy would be too great to bear. Send me anywhere. Just don't send me home. Hang on to that for a second. We're going to come back to that. All right. Now we have to go get Kiska. And we're thinking to ourselves, oh, gosh, this is going to be brutal. So we start sending recon planes over there immediately, reconning the island. Let's figure out where these Japanese are so we don't get slaughtered again, and it's brutal. And they can't find anyone. But we know they're there, right? They're dug in. These people will hide. So then we send in the heavy bombers called the Kiska Blitz. And we bomb bomb this place into a worse place than it already was. And then, look, we we still can't take chances. These people, we haven't seen them yet. 
Let's let's dig in. We send in 34,000 men to land on Kiska to go after this Japanese force that must be there. I haven't forgotten not to. They land unopposed again. But they know what these dirty Japanese are doing. They're hiding in there. They're just waiting to pop up with a bayonet at any moment. So our nerves are destroying us. The wind is so bad you can't hear. The fog is terrible you can't see. One of the destroyers out there in the ocean hits a mine, kills like 74 sailors. We're rattled to put it mildly. We go searching through the islands, and our guys end up shooting each other more than once because they're so scared of the Japanese and they can't see through the fog. We had like 221 casualties on the island of Kiska, but you know what the real kicker is in this story? In the end, we didn't find a single Japanese soldier on the island. The Japanese had snuck through a troops transport in the fog once they lost Atu, and they abandoned the island of Kiska completely. That is the story of American territories being invaded for the first time since the War of 1812. Now, let's go back to that request not to be sent home. Because that's quite a, quite a request, right? That's, that's quite a request. I mean, imagine being captured by the enemy. And your one request is, oh, just, just please don't torture me to death. It's, it's, your one request is, oh, I don't care what you do to me. I don't care where you send me. Just don't send me back to my family and my friends. Why? Because I can't bear the shame of it. Can you wrap your mind around that way of thinking? Probably not, right? I mean, look, I've, I've been there. I've been overseas. I, I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine what would make me not want to go back home. That's... That's all I wanted was to get back home. My word, just let me see my family and friends and eat a cheeseburger and fries without getting shot in the face. Well, why? Why were they like that? Let's talk about it. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.